Hey, it's the D&D Guide back for episode 5, and today we're going to learn about magic and spells in Dungeons and Dragons, so I'm excited. Let's, let's hop into this. Okay, for just one second, I'd just like to thank you all you guys for being such great listeners. Like, I don't pay to advertise this podcast at all or, like, do anything, and, like, yeah, and the people I know, like, I play D&D with all I listen to it, so, like, yeah, if you could just please, please tell your friends, tell anyone who plays D&D with you, tell anyone who would listen, it would be great. I also like to say, uh, before we hop into this, uh, that you can, last week I said you can contact me at my Gmail, but I messed it up, and so, uh, this week I'm gonna, I'll tell you the correct for version, which is uh the D guy at gmail.com no capitals no spaces whatsoever last week the uh, the two d's and dnd were capitals but that isn't the case so one more time the D guy at gmail.com no spaces no capitals and uh and so yeah there you can ask me questions about DD, get feedback on the episode yeah so let's hop into this episode So, spellcasting. So, in Dungeons and Dragons, it's like a big fantasy world, and a lot of fantasy, like, if, you've, if you like to read fantasy books like me, there's a lot of magic, and spellcasting is a way for your character to use that magic. So, uh, today I'm going to talk about rules for spells, examples of spells, and just, like, some other stuff. Yeah, let's hop in. So, uh, also, like, yeah, so there's spells everyone Dungeon Dragons. So it could be a wizard, like your character casting. It could be a monster who uses spells. Or it could be a trap. Like it could even be a trap that has a spell in it. So what is a spell? So a spell is like, it's just a mag- It's like a discrete magical effect. Like, uh, it's a single shaping of magical energy. Uh, and that's a fist of the multiverse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in the casting of a spell, a character, like, kind of, like, plucks invisible strands of raw magic, like, that around the world, uh, that, like, you know how to do it, uh, and pins them in place in a particular pattern, sets them vibrating in a particular way, then releases them to unleash the desired effect, in most cases, all in the span of seconds. So, uh, spells can be versatile tools, like, they can be weapons, uh, they can do damage or undo it, impose or remove conditions, drain life energy away, or restore life to the dead. They can do... <coughs> 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 uh, they, so, they can do basically everything. So, thousands of spells have been created uh, over the course of the... of like we're just we're talking about the like the different like this D and D realm, uh the D and D realms multiverse history, uh, but many of them have been long forgotten. This is like D and D his. I'm also give that what I just told you is like D and D history lesson. Like a lot of them have been forgotten. Some yet yet lie recorded in crumbling spell books and in ancient ruins, or trapped in the minds of dead gods, or. Or they might someday be reinvented by someone who's amassed enough power and wisdom to do it. So spell level. So every spell is a level from 0 to 1. So spell's level is like, 
general indicator of how powerful it is from zero to one. Uh, with, uh, with the low, like, yeah. So cantrips are simple but powerful spells that characters can cast almost by a uh, rote and, like, they can always cast them, like, uh, uh, <coughs> uh they can almost cast, like, they can pre-make, cantrips are the level zero spells, so they're the least strongest spells, but you can cast them anytime, it's not, because you have spell, you can only cast a certain amount of, like, other levels of spells, level zero spells, or cantrips, you can cast anytime, uh, yeah, so the higher the spells level, the the less frequently you can cast spells of that type before you can't you have to rest before you can cast it again. Also, the higher level the spell, the higher level of spell caster must be must be to cast that spell. Uh, so spell level and character level don't like kind of correspond because character levels go one to twenty, spell levels go zero to nine, so. Uh, yeah, so typically a character that ha- has to be at least 17th level, not 9th, to cast a 9th level spell. Because uh, you're a 9th level wizard, still got another 11 levels to go. Like, how powerful are you going to be by level 20? Because some really powerful 9th level spells. If I have time, I can show you. Oh, maybe that's something during my half time. I'll show you some of the most powerful spells in the game. Yeah, that's a good half time. I'll do that for half time. Uh, so, known and prepared spells. So, before you can use a spell, you can't just, like, op- open, open your, like, you can't just open the player's handbook, flip through it, find a random spell that you like, and say, I cast you! You can't do that. You have to have two steps before that. Up to you, well, three steps, actually. You have to know the spell, first of all, so that means it has to either be in your mind, like you know how to cast it, or in your spell book, like teach you how to cast it. You have to know the spell. Uh, that's usually, like, wizards have to know the spells. Uh, so wizard, like, yeah, so... Wizards, warlocks, sorcerers, all those guys have to know spells. Rangers, paladins. But other guys like clerics and bards, uh, those guys, like, they just, they they know every spell, but they just choose to listen them to prepare. And uh, per- so the second step is you have to prepare spells. So, like, bards and uh, clerics would skip the first step. You also have to... This spell has to be of a level you can cast. <coughs> uh, so, and then the second step is prepared spells. You have a limited number, like, for the guys who do know, like, have a list of known spells. A, a limited number of those you can prepare at a time, which means you're kind of ready to cast them. But not, like, not exactly. And then the clerics and, uh, like, bards and those guys like them, uh, they have they choose a small amount of spells to prepare from all the, their spell lists. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Actually, you know, it's like cleric, clerics and wizards have to prepare their spells. Like, I just told you, but they're different. Uh, but other classes, like bugs and sorcerers are... Uh, 
Bards actually know that bards aren't like the clerics, and sorcerers aren't like the wizards. Those two are a different group, which means they have a very, very small amount of spells, like even the small amount that the clerics have prepared, but they can cast them at they can cast them like without having to like, like prepare different ones like the wizard or prepare ones like the clerk. They have a small amount that they like they that they know and they can cast those. Thought those are automatically prepared. So uh yeah. So in every case yeah, so in every case the number of spells that you know or you can prepare or fix in your mind uh, count on your level and of course i said this before you can't cast or prepare or know a sp- you can i guess you can know a spell that's a higher level than you so i just like to say cast in armor so if you're a wizard and you want to wear armor no uh the the rule of thumb is that if you're uh, if you're a spellcaster, it's like too it's too hard to concentrate in armor unless you're proficient in it. So unless you're proficient in it, which wizards are not, clerics are, and you're a spellcaster, you can't cast spells while you're wearing that piece of armor. <coughs> so the third rule of like before you can cast a spell, spell slots. So you have a limited number of spell slots for each level of spells. Except level zero or cantrips, uh, except level zero, which is also known as cantrips, because cantrips you know a small amount and you can cast those anytime. Like uh, so spell slots, like it's still it's really taxing to cast spells unless they really weak like cantrips. So you only can cast a certain number of spells before like you to drain the cast more. Like for example, a first level wizard has two first level spell slots. Uh, and another example, uh, so he can cast two first level spells before he needs the rest. Uh, and another example is a third level, uh, cleric has three first level and one second level spell slot, so he can cast three first level spells before he needs the rest to regain the cast more, and one second level spell slot before he needs the, uh, rest the cast more you can also use a spell slot of higher levels to cast this spell of lower levels like he could use his second level spell slot to cast the first level spell and uh some spells uh with some spells that may also make them stronger so when yeah so when you cast a spell you expend a spell slot of that level and yeah so finishing our long rest, that's like an eight or longer hour rest, uh, you regain all expended spell slots. For some classes, if you finish a short rest, uh, you can, <coughs> you also regain some spell slots. Also, uh, some characters or monsters have special abilities that let them cast spells without uh, spell slots, like uh, for example, the monk who follows the way of the four elements, which is basically a monk who can cast some wizard spells, uses uh like his magical energy that's kind of like his essence called Kai, which uh lets him cast those. And a warlock who chooses certain eldritch invocations, which are like what 
like kind of their uh what they specialize in it. Uh, cause actually no warlocks they get their power from, uh like it, making a deal with like a powerful entity or being, uh, so that's so they might be able to cast spells that away for free without expanding spell slots or with expanding different actually. And like for example, if a monster is like a pit fiend, which is a type of like demon from the nine hells, which is like the over which is like the places where the demons and devils dwell in this realm, can all cast spells in such a way. Uh so casting spells at higher levels. So I told you about this, but when you cast a spell at a higher level, you usually you can always do that. Like I can cast a magic missile spell with a level two spell slot if i have any level two spell slots left uh because magic missile is a first level spell slot and usually you'll get a bonus to it like for magic missile it shoots three magic missiles that do damage to enemies if you cast with a second level spell slot it'd shoot four magic missiles Uh, so, cantrips. So, a cantrip, like, I already told you this, but it's like a spell that can be cast at will, without using their spell slot enough, without having to be prepared, but they're extremely weak. And, yeah, so, it it's this way, the cantrips are this way, because repeated practice, because these are the most basic spells, like, when you were learning how to do magic, your character has fixed these spells in your mind, and you can pretty much cast them on will. So, yeah, so the cantrips are level zero, as I said before. So, rituals. <coughs> Certain spells have the ritual tag. Uh, such spells can be cast as a ritual, which means that they take 10 minutes longer than normal to cast, but uh, they also don't expend a spell slot, which means the ritual version of a spell can't be cast at higher level because then you can't use this higher level spell slot. So to cast a spell as a ritual, you must have uh, a feature that grants you to do so. Like, most spellcasters have it. But if you're, like, someone like that monk or, like, this fighter class who can cast some wizard spells, they wouldn't have be able to cast ritual spells. Uh, yeah, so you also must have the spell prepared on your list of spells known unless... Uh, the ritual feature, the your ritual feature, your character's ritual feature says otherwise, as the wizards does. Like the wizard says, you don't need, you just have to know it. Uh, so when a character casts any spell, uh, these uh these same basic rules I'm about to tell you fall, regardless of your class of the spell's effect. So each spell, uh, we begins with like uh yeah so when you look it up in the player's handbook it's gonna have like a block of information its name its level scroll magic casting time range components and duration i'm about to tell you what this means and i'll choose a sample spell so let's get up in the player's handbook uh let's see Let's do a basic one. Let's do that magic missile. 
So read it first. So it's the first level. Uh, evocation. Its casting time is one action. Its range is 120 feet. Its components is a verbal and uh, v, a verbal and I always forget what the S means, but I know uh, yeah, the S is somatic, which is like gestures. Uh, duration instantaneous and you create three glowing darts of magical force. Each dart hits a creature of your choice so you can see within range. A dart deals one die four plus one force damage to its target. The darts all strike similarly and you can direct them to hit one creature or several. So at higher levels, like I said before, if you cast it with a higher level spell slot, it this will it'll have a bonus effect. So when you cast it with a second level spell slot or higher, uh, you get an additional dart for each spell level above first. So uh, let's make sense of that. So casting time. So that was the first. Oh man, I dropped the page. I need to find magic missile again. Got it. So casting time. So each spell has a casting time, which is it's usually pretty quick. And yeah, so it'll usually either say bon an action, a bonus action, a reaction, or like a longer casting time. So an action is like your action combat. So like the seven seconds you get in combat to do. Uh, so for Magic Missile, it takes one action to cast. So that's like seven seconds. So bonus action. So a bonus action is like especially swift. It's quicker than your normal action. So a bonus action means that because a bonus action is you can take your action and this is an action, an additional action you can take. So that means you'd be able to do something, then cast the spell because it's so quick to cast. Uh, but there are some exact exceptions. Uh, you can cast this spell if you haven't already taken a bonus action this turn. And you can't cast another spell during the same turn as this one, except for a cantrip with a casting time of one action. <coughs> so, reactions. So, some spells can be cast as reactions. These are the ones that, like, a reaction, it's not your turn, but some cre someone or something or, like, some effect causes, like, you to have a reaction or something, like the shield spell. Which is basically you shoot up a shield in front of you. Like that could, would be a reaction if someone shoots a bow at you or casts like a spell at you. Uh, that's a reaction spell. So if someone does that targeting you, you would, you could be able to use a shield. So these spells take like a fraction of a second to bring about. And are cast in response to like an event, like I said. So longer casting time. So certain spells have like a longer casting time. Uh, so when you cast a spell for longer casting time than a single action or reaction, you must spend your action each turn casting the spell until you've met the required amount of time. You also must maintain your concentration while you do this. If your concentration is broken, you fail, uh, but you don't expend a spell slot. So if you want to try uh, casting the spell again, if your concentration is broken, you must start over from the beginning. So your concentration could be broken by effects like someone attacking you, hitting you, like you've fallen, like stuff like that. Also range. So uh, uh, so range is like, uh, uh, range is like, it's how far the spell can go, like how far you can cast it to a distance. Like for magic missile, it's how far these missiles can go. 
before like they wink out or before yeah so magic missile's range is 120 feet so it can go 120 feet if it hasn't hit your target by then it just disappears and yeah so for the spell uh like magic so for spells like magic missile the target is a creature uh, for a spell like fireball, the target is uh, like a point in space where the ball like uh, fires up. So yeah. So uh, some spells can target only a creature, including you, that you touch. Other spells such as the shield spell affect only you, and these spells just arrange yourself. So spells that create cones or lines of effects that originate from you also have a range of self indicating that like the beginning point of the spell is you like where the effect starts is you <coughs> so components uh uh yeah so so the components uh there's three main components which this you have to meet for the spell to be cast. For magic missile, it's verbal and somatic, which means those three of them. So verbal is you have to speak like some words, some words of power, uh like the set that these guns of magic I talked about uh earlier into like the right pattern you need. Somatic is like spell casting gestures like that might include uh and like that might include like a forceful like push or like something or like an intricate set of gestures. Uh if a spell requires these uh somatics you must have free use of at least one hand to perform these gestures. Before like for the verbal ones you must not be gagged or be able to speak. Uh and then the last one, but magic missile doesn't need this is material, which you need like a particular object. Uh, like, usually there's certain objects that you, you sometimes need in spell casting. If you have a component pouch or an arcane focus, uh, those, you don't need this, uh, the component, unless the component costs money. So if a spell states, uh, that the material component is consumed by the spell, then, because, uh, other spells is not consumed, then you must provide this component for each cast in the spell. And uh, you must have at least one free hand to access a component. Or to hold the spell cast in focus. Or get from the like the component pouch. Or yeah. But it can also be that same hand you use to provide the gestures and stuff if it needs it. Alright. So yeah, let's cut the halftime, and uh, yeah, we'll continue to learn about this after. Okay. Hey, it's Danny Guy, and we're here at our halftime show. And today, we're going to be looking at the top three most powerful spells that you can cast in Dungeons & Dragons. So... Two of them are going to be wizard spells and the uh, uh, wizard spells. Also, let me look at the spell list. Uh, yeah, so two of them are going to be wizard spells. Uh, there'll also be sorcerer spells. Uh, those, these spells. And uh, 
Yeah, and the other one is going to be a cloak spell, a bard spell, and, uh, yeah. So, so let's look at first the most powerful healing spell in the game that bard, and this one bards and clerics can use. So, it is called, uh, let's get it again. So, let's look at this. It is called Power Word Heal. It's the most powerful healing spell in the game. And it is, let's get to it in the, let's handbook. Okay, I'm going to say, guys. Power Word Heal. So it is a ninth level evocation spell. Uh, you know more about this uh, after the halftime. So that means that all these spells will be in the ninth level cast, so the highest class of spell in the game is evocation, which means they'll have like a high magic effect. It takes one action to cast. Its range is touch, so you have to touch the creature. Uh, it's, you need to do some gestures and speak a word, and it is in, it goes instantaneous. So, a wave of healing washes over the creature you touch. <coughs> so the creature gains all ten points. If the creature is charmed, frightened, paralyzed, or stunned, the condition ends. If the creature is prone, it can use its reaction to stand up. This spell is no effect on undead or constructs. So it's the ultimate healing spell. The creature regains all its HP, even if it's like a minus 100 HP. Uh, if the creature has any effects on it, like charm, frightened, paralyzed, or stunned, those conditions end. If the creature is on the ground, it can stand up. Like, just give it a massive boost. It's like this guy is lying bloodied unconscious on the ground. And your fighter's lying bloody and unconscious on the ground. And, like, he's fright, Like, he's just, he's barely alive. He's extremely frightened. He can't stand up. Like, he's stunned. And they just go, like, you need a helping hands. Because you're the cleric. And you go, sheesh. And he suddenly stands back up. He's at his full 100 and 100. He's at full health. He's not, he's not frightened or paralyzed or stunned anymore. He can stand up, and he's like, yeah, and he just rushes in at the big giant, like, gone like that. Oh, so that's the most powerful healing spell in the game. So now look, let's look at the most powerful, uh, like, fighting spell in the game. So there's two contestants for this. One, Power Word Kill, and the other, Meteor Swarm. Let's look at them, and I'll tell you which one is probably better. So Power Word Kill, it's a ninth level enchantment spell, which means like you kind of you enchant a creature to do something. <coughs> something like happens. It takes one action to cast. Its range is 60 feet. You just need to speak a word, nothing else. It, it instantly like happens. And you utter a word of power that can compel one creature you see within range to die instantane- instantly. Uh, if the creature you choose has 100 hit points or fewer, it dies. Otherwise, the spell has no effect. So, let's look at the other one before I judge. So, Meteor Swarm. Okay, I need to get the M, 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 P. 
Let's go to Meteor. So Swarm. It's also a ninth level. It's a ninth level invocation, which has like some big effect. It takes one action to cast. Its range is one mile, so it's a bigger range. So that's one check. Then uh, power would kill, so it's a further range check. Takes verbal and so it takes uh, speaking gestures. That's one check for power word kill, but really, just having to use an additional hand isn't much at all. So that's not a really big thing. That I'd say the mile would also cancel that out. Uh, so it's it's instantaneous to cast. Uh, so like the mile, the range for the mile, like as I said before, cancel that out and go way more the for the bonus of the spell. So blazing orbs of fire plummet to the ground at four different points you can see within range. Each creature in a 40-foot radius spear, that's a farther range because it can target more than one creature, target on each point you choose, uh, and it's four different points. So you can choose four different points each. Let's say there's like four different army battalions and they're marching in like 40 by 40 feet columns. You go, yay, you put these four points and meteors fire rains down from the sky. You might even wipe out entire four battalions of one spell. Well, if power would kill, you could just kill one, like the commander of them. Uh, so each creature in this radius must make a dexterity saving throw. So the spear threads around its corners. A creature takes 20 die 6, so 20 6 side dice, fire damage, and 20 die 6 bludgeon damage on a failed save. So it's 40 die 6, or half as much on a successful save. So if you fail, 40 die 6. If you succeed, 20 die 6. So, at the max, this spell could do... At the max, this spell could do... Oh, let's, okay, let's see. The max, it could do 240 damage. At the least, it could do 20 damage. But still, if it's the least, it means that that guy succeeded on dexterity. Same with though, and you rolled 21s, which is not going to happen. <coughs> so, a creature in the area of more than one fury burst is affected only once. And the spells damage objects in the area and ignites flammable objects on the one side. So, in my opinion, the other spell would actually be better. Uh, no, no, not... Uh, not powered kill. Meteor Swarm is actually better. It can do, uh, it can do much more damage. Powered, uh, powered kill doesn't even affect guys with more than hundred HP. And once you unlock powered kill, most of the guys you fight, unless you fight a giant swarm of guys, which powered kill is useless on that, usually gonna fight some guys that have more than hundred HP. So powered kill. Did practically useless where Meteor Swarm can easily take out a large group of guys and can do a ton of damage to a big health guy. So, and plus you can hit guys so far away, like a mile, where they can't even do anything back to you. So, in my opinion, uh, Meteor Swarm is better. Uh, you can ask me, you can contact me on my Gmail account, uh, I told you earlier in the episode, and I've wrote in the description too. If you have any, uh, if you have a different opinion on which one's better, or if I've been mentioned a spell that you think is worth being the best for fighting, uh, a healing or the best overall spell ever that I'm about to tell you. So drum. So, the best overall spell ever is wish. So, Wish is just immensely powerful. 
it's a if you have a D and D player, you've probably heard of this spell. It's it's basically like something that gods could you do. It's a ninth level conjuration. It takes one action to cast. It's range yourself. You just need to speak a word to cast it, and it's instantaneous. Its effect. So wish is the mightiest spell a mortal creature can cast. By simply speaking aloud, you can alter the very foundations of reality in accord to your desires. So the basic use of the spell is to duplicate any other spell of 8th level or lower. You don't need to meet any requirements of that spell, including costly components, and the spell simply takes effect. Alternatively, you can create one of the fallen effects of your choice. You create one object up to 25,000 gold pieces in value that isn't a magic item. The object can be no more than 300 feet in any dimension, and it appears in an unoccupied space you can see on the ground. You allow up to 20 creatures that you can see to regain all hit points, and you end all effects on them described in the Greater Restoration spell. So that's basically, like, so the effect I just described is basically, uh... So Wish is already better than the Power Word Heal that I told you. You grant up to 10 creatures that you can see resistance to a damage type you choose. Good. So if you find, like, big fiery, like, uh, like fire elementals, why don't you use Wish? Okay, teammates, be ready to take half damage for the rest of the fight. You grant... Uh, no, you undo a single recent event by forcing a re-roll in any roll made in within the last round, including your last turn. So if someone's about to die, you can re-roll that. Maybe they won't die. So reality reshapes itself to accommodate the new result. For example, a wish spell could undo an opponent's successful save, a foe's critical hit, or an opponent's failed save. You can force the re-roll to, ma- uh, to be made with advantage or disadvantage. And you can choose whether to use the reball or the original roll. You might be able to achieve something beyond the scope of the above examples. So, like, tell your dungeon master your wish as precisely as possible, and the DM, uh, like, will probably make it, like, better, like, the more fit. And uh, the greater the wish, the greater likelihood that something goes wrong. The spell might simply fail, the effect of desire might only be partly achieved, or you might suffer some unforeseen consequence as a result of how you worded the wish. For example, wishing a villain that were dead might propel you forward in time to a period when that villain is no longer alive, effectively removing you from the game. Similarly, wishing a legendary magic item or artifact might instantly transport you to the presence of the item's current owner. The stress of casting the spell to produce any effect other than duplicating another spell weakens you. After enduring that stress, each time you cast the spell until you finish the long rest, you take one day to any clock damage per level of the spell. The damage can't be reduced or prevented anyway. In addition, your strength drops to three if it isn't three or lower for two to four days. For each of those days you spend resting and doing nothing more than light activity, your remaining recovery time decreases by two days. Finally, there's a 33% chance that you are unable to cast Wish ever again if you suffer this stress. So, that, that at the end, that has some bad, like, stuff. But overall, Wish is one of the best spells ever. Like, one of the effects, this is one caught my eye, you create an object up to 25 Gold, thousand gold piece in value, and you can and you sell that. 
<coughs> so you sell that the twenty five thousand gold pieces. You could buy a um. You could buy a, like, oh my god! You could buy a pile of stuff with that. So. So uh, like I said before, this is the end of halftime, and uh, you can contact me in my Gmail if you have any questions or like spells that you think might be better than these spells. Okay, so let's hop back into the rest of the episode. Okay, so let's hop back into the episode. So, uh, we were talking about, like, what each spell, like, on its spell block that was seen in the player handbook. Like, what things it'll have in the spell block and what these things are. So, for a magic missile example, we did cast in time, range, and components. So, now we're doing duration. Uh, so the duration is like the length of the time the spell lasts, and uh, some spells last seconds, minutes, hours, some may even last years. Uh, some spells specifically uh, say that their effects last until the spell is dispelled or destroyed. So instantaneous spells, many spells instantaneous, like a cleric's cure wound spell to heal you, or the magic missile spell, for example, that's instantaneous, which means you cast it, and within a a matter of seconds, the effect takes, and within a matter of milliseconds, the effect happens. (coughs) Uh, So instantaneous spells can't be dispelled, because its magic exists only for an instant. So some spells require you to main, like maintain concentration in order for you to like keep them going. Like if the spell, let's say a spell is gonna last like a minute or something, it's usually gonna have to maintain concentration to keep it going. Concentration. I uh, remember we talked about earlier. You, if you're a spellcaster and you're not proficient in armor, you can't wear it. Uh, when you're concentrating on spells, so like for that, uh, so if a spell must be maintained by concentration, that uh, that fact will tell you in this duration entry, and the spell will tell you how long you need to concentrate on it. For so for the spell, at last for a minute, you'll need to concentrate on it for a minute. Uh, you can end the concentration at any time, no action required. So, normal activities such as moving and attacking doesn't interfere with concentration, but there is some other stuff that can break your concentration. So, casting another spell that requires concentration, because that, like, you're trying to concentrate one, then another, like, it just gets too busy and, like, you end up breaking one off. Taking damage, like if you're like fighting and someone slashes you with a sword, that's gonna that's gonna break you because like you don't shoot like, ah, you kind of like that, and then like you're gonna not concentrate on the spell when you're bleeding from the sword wound. Uh, so being incapacitated or killed. So when you die, you obviously lose your concentration. Uh, or if you're incapacitated, like. Incapitated is uh. Incapitated is where basically uh you can't, you can't move. You can't move at all. Like, 
Like, you're being held down, you can't move. Uh, yeah, that's incapitated. Yeah, let me, I'm looking up the definition of incapitated. So, so an incapitated creature can't take actions or reactions. So, it's basically where they, they can't, like, so they basically can't do anything on their turn. And that's incapitated. So incapitated would be if, like if someone's holding them or something, like holding them down. So the DM might also decide if like certain environment effects, uh, like if you're in a storm-tossed ship, you might have to like succeed on constitution saving throws or not lose your concentration. Yeah, so targets, so specific spells uh, requires you to pick one or more targets to be affected by the spell's magic. A spell's description tells you where the spell's targets are creatures, objects, people, uh, or like a point of origin. Uh, unless the spells are perceptible effect, uh... A creature might not know it was targeted by the spell at all. An effect like crackling lightning is obvious, but with subtile effects, such as an attempt to like read your thoughts with the mind read spell, uh, it typically goes unnoticed unless the spell says otherwise. So a clear path to the target. So for most spells, you must have a clear path. Because if you can't see, uh, for, yeah. Uh, the target something, you must have a clear path to it. So, it can't be behind total cover. Remember, we talked about total cover a few episodes ago. If you place an area effect at a point which you can't see, and, uh, and, like, it can't go there, like, an obstruction, is between you and that point, the point of origin comes into being on the near side of the object. So targeting yourself, so some spells will target yourself. Uh, if a spell targets a creature of your choice, you can choose yourself, unless the creature must be hostile or specifically a creature other than you, it'll say that in the spell's description. Uh, if you're in the area of effect of a spell that you cast, you could target yourself. I don't know, like, for most area effect spells, or, like, uh, fireball, or, like, damage spells, so I don't know why you do that. So, a spell such as, uh, a code of cold and burning hands, burning hands is a shield, jet flame from your hands, code of cold, you shoot on a big, like, kind of, uh, cone of ice at people, or have, like, an area effect, uh, uh, allowing them to, like, affect multiple creatures at once. So, the spell's description will say, like, what type of area effect it has, uh, which typically has one of five different shapes, a line, a cone, a cube, a spear, and a cylinder. Uh, each area of effect has a point of origin, 
uh, the point of origin from which the spells energy erupts. The rules for each shape is uh the rules for each shape is uh by like how you position its point of origin. Typically uh a point of origin is like a point in space, but some spells have an area whose origin is a creature or an object. So the spells affect expanded straight lines from the point of origin. If no one blocked uh, straight lines, uh, like if no, they, they'll extend straight from there if nothing uh, blocks it. If no. Uh, yeah. So, cone. So, let's talk about these shapes. So, there's, first, let's talk about the cone. That's, like, the cone of cold spell. So, uh, I'm sure, like, a few people remember we taking geometry cast in school. A cone is a shape of a circle at the bottom, and then it, has, it goes all up from all sides into a point at the top. Uh, so the cone extends from the direction you choose. Like, you know the point, the little point at the top of the cone? That's the point of origin, usually, and the point of origin is usually yourself. Like, in Cone of Cold, you're the point of origin, and you shoot it out from your hand, and it goes out in a cone from your hand. Yeah, so a cone's area of effect is, like, it'll say it's maximum length in the spell. Uh, Yeah. So a cube. So you select a cube's point of origin, uh, which lies anywhere on the face on the face of the cube effect. Uh, so like you know, cube three D. It's a three D square. So a cube's size is expressed as the length of each side. And uh, so you're gonna. And so for the cube, you'll choose. Uh, point of origin and then the cube that'll be on one of the faces and the cube will expand out from there uh yeah so cylinder so the cylinder point of origin is the center of a circle so that's the fireball that's like the fireball as well if i shoot the fireball uh at somewhere and once it reaches that point of origin it's gonna explode outward in the cylinder uh yeah Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, although, I was talking about cylinder, no, wait, I said cylinder, but I was talking about sphere, okay, so sphere is the one where it's, like, it's fireball when you shoot, uh, like, the little bead of fire, and once it reaches your point of origin, it'll expand out into a big, like, circle, like, sphere of fire, uh, yeah. So a sphere's point of origin is included in the spell's effect. So a cylinder, uh, that's the one with like there's a circle at the bottom, a circle at the top. So it's basically like a cone, except instead of a point at the it's except instead of the walls going up to a point at the top, it goes straight up to a circle, another circle at the top. So the cylinder's point of origin is at the center of one of the circ or one of the two circles. Uh, as given in the spell's description. 
So cylinder spells, uh, the circle and the spells must either be on the ground or at the height of the spell's effect. So like you'll either start from the ground and go up or you'll start from the sky and go down. Uh, so yeah. So the cylinder's point of origin includes its effects, same with the spheres. So the line, this is the last one. So the line extends from its point of origin in a straight path up to the length of the of the line, like the area. Uh, so a line's point of origin is not included in the effect because you're the line's point of origin. Uh, like, let's say my hand's the line's point of origin. Uh, like, you're the line's point of origin, like for the lightning. Uh, like for the lightning bolt spell, you're gonna shoot out a bolt of lightning from your hand, and so your hand would be the point of origin. So, saving throws. So, many spells, uh, like, will tell you a tar- the target can make a saving throw, and it'll tell you what type of saving throw they can make, and it'll sometimes tell you the DC. Uh, uh, usually, but usually it won't, and the DC to resist one of your spell's saving throws equals 8, like let's say I cast a spell on someone, and they get a chance to make a saving throw to resist it, so the DC usually is, uh, the DC is 8 uh, for the saving throw they have to make, 8 plus your spell casting ability modifier, so that's basically what ability score you use to cast your spells if it's a wizard it's intelligence bard it's charisma cleric it's wisdom and so on uh so your eight plus your spell cast ability modifier plus your proficiency bonus plus any other modifiers that you have so let's say i'm a wizard with an intelligence of 16 so that's plus three and i have a proficiency bonus of plus two because i'm level two so when I cast my spell that they have to make a save it though for, it's going to be 8 plus 3 plus 2 and plus 0 because I don't have any other specific modifiers. So that's going to be 13. So if they roll a 13 or higher, they succeed. If they roll a 12 or lower, they fail. So attack rolls. So some spells off you make an attack roll. It's, it's pretty much the same as like a melee attack roll an arranged attack roll in the combat section we did but uh so your attack bonus for the spell equals your spell casting ability modifier which like i just said that's which ability you use to cast spells plus your proficiency bonus so that's basically that that's basically the same as uh as melee and range weapon fighting uh fighting that we talked about in the earlier episode, except it's going to use a different ability modifier. Uh, yeah, so most uh, spells are going to require ranged attack rolls, because most spellcasters are flimsier than other fighters, like big fighter melee guys. Uh, so, uh, so combining magic effects, so the effects of different spells add together while the durations of those spells overlap uh so the effects of the same spell cast multiple times does uh don't combine however instead the most potent effects such as 
the highest bonus from those castings apply while the duration overlap. Uh, so, like, let's say, like, if I cast Fireball multiple times, if a bunch of people cast Fireball multiple times on the same point, it's those effects aren't going to combine to make one massive effect. Instead, the, the strongest Fireball that someone cast in that area is going to be the Fireball that they use, that you take the damage from. Uh, for another example... Two clerks cast cure wounds on the uh on a t- on the same target. Actually, no, no cure wounds would work. Two clerks cast blast, which is basically a boost your abilities. It do- It's not gonna double like your abil- Like it's not gonna double boost your abilities. It's just uh, the character gains the spell's bo- benefit only once. Uh, he or she doesn't get the roll two bonus dice instead, because you usually get the roll one. You'll just, uh, wait. Yeah, like, actually, I have to, I actually have to look this thing up. I'm not showing it. Uh, let's open my player's handbook. Uh, yeah, for, so, for example, it says here, uh, I actually use this example. I like to, like, before I do these episodes, I'll, cause I, I haven't memorized everything in the player's handbook and, like, everything. I still have to review some stuff in, in these books, especially the technical stuff, like, combined and magical effects. And I usually, like, use some of the examples they have, cause they have good examples, but then, like, I'll usually, I usually, like, say some stuff, then I'll, like, kind of put the D&D spin on it, make it easier to learn. So it says it the player's handbook. So I'll read what exactly what it says. The effects of different spells add together while the durations of those spells overlap. The effects of the same spell cast multiple times don't combine. However, instead the most potent effects, such as the highest bonus from those castings, applies while the durations overlap. For example, two if two clerks cast bless on the same target, that character gains the spell's effect only once he or she doesn't get to roll two bonus dice. So bless, uh, bless is basically where uh, bless is basically where up to three creatures of your choice, uh, uh within the, uh up to three creatures of your choice, whenever a target makes an attack against them until the spell ends, it lasts a minute. Uh, the target can roll a die four and add the number roll to the attack roll or the save and throw. Uh, yeah. Like, so it's basically whenever you attack. So it's basically, uh, so whenever a target makes an attack roll or a save and throw before the spell ends. So whenever one of those targets, those three people you chose make an attack roll, attack against someone, or they have to make a save and throw, you, they can have the option to roll a die for and add that to the roll. Uh, so, let's say in here, if two clerks cast Bless on the same target, you're not, they're not gonna get the roll to die for. It's just, uh, you gain the spell's benefit only once. It's just that this is how I interpret it, because they could have wrote this better. Like, I understand. 
like, uh, they'll get a roll two die four and take the better roll and take, like, the better die four. They're not going to combine them. So, yeah, uh, let's talk about something called the Weave of Magic. So, the world of D&D, uh, is a magical place, obviously. Uh, so, like, basically everything has magic. So, mortals can't directly shape this raw magic, like, because it's basically everywhere. Instead, they make use of a fabric of magic, kind of like an interface between the, like, uh, the will of a spellcaster and the stuff of raw magic. So, uh, the spellcaster of the Forgotten Realms called the Weave of Magic. Uh, and they recognize its essence as the goddess Mystria, but casters have varied ways of naming and visualizing this interface. Uh, by any name, without the weave, raw magic is locked away in it and inaccessible. The most powerful archmage can't light a candle with magic in an area where the weave has been torn. But surrounded by the weave, a spellcaster can shape lightning. The blast foes transport hundreds of miles in a blink of an eye or even reverse death itself. Uh, so yeah... So, like, all magic depends on the weaves, but different guys access it different ways. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, the, usually, like, wizards, bards, warlocks, sorcerers call it arcane magic, and they, because they access it in a way, like, through studying and learning and stuff like that. Uh, like clerics, druids, paladins, and rangers called divine magic because they access it through divine powers of gods and stuff. So whatever magical effect is created, the threads of the weave intertwine, twist, and fold to like create desired or magical effect. So that's like just some D and D history. There's a D and D history lesson. And uh, so one more thing I'd like to talk about the different schools of magic. Uh, before we go. And so let's talk about there's nine of them. Wait, yeah, there's uh, yeah, no, there's eight, eight, yeah, there's eight, and they all have different effects. And like each spell will from it be from a different school of magic. There's abjuration, which is those spells are protection spells, and they're meant to protect creatures. Uh, uh, through some of them can also have aggressive uses, like other uh, create magical barriers that get home harmful effects, harm trespassers to protect, like, someone's, uh, yeah, or banish creatures or planes of existence. So conjuration spells involve, like, transportation of objects and creatures from one location to another, or some spells summon creatures to one's aid, uh, or others allow guys to teleport to other locations. So divitation spells Reveal information, whether in the form of, like, long forgotten secrets, glimpses of the future and location of hand things, the truth, like, behind illusions, or visions of distant people and things. So enchantment spells affect the minds of others, influencing and controlling their behavior, so they will let you charm other guys to help you, uh, force creatures to take a course of action, or even control another creature like a puppet. So, evocation spells, like, manipulate, like, magical energy that produce, uh, a desired effect. Some call blasts of light, fire or lightning for, like, fighting. 
others call up healing magic, the heal creatures. So illusion spells, like deceive the senses and the minds of others. They cause people to see things that are not there, hear things that are not there, or miss things that are, like, yeah. Like, remember images that any creature can see. Uh, wait, some, yeah, uh, or to remember stuff that never happened. Like, some illusions, uh, create, like, big phantom things that everyone can see. Some ones just mess with your mind. So necromancy spells manipulate the energies of life and death. These spells can grant you an extra reserve of life energy, uh, like raise the undead or even like create the undead uh, or even bring people back to life. Uh, like creating like undead is not a good act. That's kind of evil because the undead like to terrorize people, to destroy places. Usually evil spellcasters focus on necromancy, but if you're a good spellcaster, uh, here's the idea for if you're a good spellcaster, then you want to focus on necromancy because you think it sounds cool. Maybe you're someone who, like, banishes the undead and, like, he's learned about necromancy so he can kill the undead and, like, stop our necromancers. And here's the last goal, transmutation. Uh, so they change the properties of creatures, objects, or the environment. They might turn an enemy into a harmless creature, bolster the strength of an ally, or make an object move at your command. Oh yeah, so that's all for today. We learned most about spells. I gave you some sample spells. Uh, so we learned all about magic. Let me just open my player's handbook and see. Because I, I plan it in the player's handbook, like in lessons. Uh, Let's see what we need to learn. So I think maybe one or two more episodes. We could we'll talk about some conditions, like some uh, goblin weapons. Yeah, so maybe one or two more episodes, and we'll be done learning how to play D and D. Getting pretty close. So, uh, yeah. So I guess it's time to go, but. Uh, remember, you can contact me at the guy at gmail.com. No spaces, no capitals at all. One more time, the guy at gmail.com. And it's no spaces and no capitals. Last week, it's in the description. Last week, I messed it up and put some capitals in there that shouldn't have been. And I fixed it this week. So, yeah. So, next week, maybe I'm going to talk about all these charts and stuff that I have. And... Because uh, I think you might need the million, some different equipment stuff, and yeah. So, see you next time.